Hi there, I'm Keith Cauley, and this is Thrive, a Bridgestone America's podcast exploring our company through compelling conversations with teammates across our organization. We are excited to kick off season three and incredibly happy to have you here on the journey with us. And for those of you watching via video on our Bridgestone America's corporate YouTube page, we are happy that you can finally see us as we get a chance to step out of the virtual world just a bit and have some of our conversations in person. Our first guest in person is Taryn Rodebaugh, CIO for Bridgestone Americas. As we've started to uncover the future of mobility and really the future of work in many cases is increasingly digital, which means the role of our IT team and their systems is more critical than ever. We talked to Taryn in this episode about the digital transformation, where it's making the biggest and most immediate impacts in our North Star strategy, what's coming from a technology standpoint in this new year ahead, and and her approach to leading diverse and hybrid teams in our evolving Bridgestone environment. We hope you enjoy this conversation. Well, we are joined here by Taryn Rodebaugh. She is the Chief Information Officer for Bridgestone Americas. What, a little bit over, I guess, a year, year and a half with the company at this point or somewhere thereabouts, but we're excited to talk to you about the future ahead for IT, digital transformation, Bridgestone and all the things. Taryn, thanks for joining us. I'm excited to be here. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah. And we'll get into a little bit of that strategy, that future forward vision that we all keep talking about, where it all ties into the North Star, which we know so much about now, but want to get to know you a little bit, because I think learning more about our leaders, how you approach, especially this evolving environment of the world that we're all living in, is helpful for us to know where uh, all of the execution of this North Star and, and all the strategies are coming from. So, I've looked a little bit at your background. It's it's some really big names on the stops on the resume, the IBMs, the Deloitte's. You're an IT leader. Your degree I saw was in manufacturing, engineering, management. I have not an expertise in that. So I don't know, does that naturally play into an IT role or IT leadership or kind of how did that journey take shape for you? I would say it's a little bit of a funny story. So when I got my degree in manufacturing engineering, my sole focus was making sure that I could get a job after I graduated. Sounds smart. <laughs> Sounds smart. And through that process, I was able to co-op at a couple different companies. So heavy manufacturing company, automotive company, kind of OEM product company. And I realized that I really didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up, <laughs> even after I graduated. And that's when I decided to join consulting. It gave me the opportunity to look at a lot of different industries, a lot of different types of companies, different cultures, with the assumption that in, I don't know, two to three years, I would then want to start to adult <laughs> and join the real world and join a, a quote-unquote real company. Mm-hmm. In that consulting, I was just fell in love with it. I fell in love with a variety of the different companies I worked for. Everything from a conglomerate that owns amusement parks as well as sports TV and movie studios to companies that make fighter jets and what the business problem was that they were solving and how I might be able to help solve that problem. And that it became almost an addictive drug on being able to go in, learn a new company and solve their problem. 
Did you find that as you went to the different companies that a lot of times the problems were somewhat similar or related to things that you'd fix at others, but it was about the culture, the surroundings and the environment and infrastructure built or were the problems that you encountered all completely different across the scale? I would say that the problems were very different all across the scale. If for some companies, it was they had purchased so many companies that they had difficulty getting accurate financial statements. In another company, they were trying to increase the speed in which they were making production planes at this point, which is you know, supply chain issues, production issues. There was another company that was looking to expand their market and the product offering that they had. But what I did learn is the skills that I gained during each one around listening, understanding the full scope of the project, Mm -hmm. building stakeholder alignment, those could be applied in every situation. Where did the IT, I guess, aspect of that come in where were they all IT focused types of projects you were consulting on had IT elements or was that something that you naturally gravitated when you decided, hey, this is something I want to do and you looked for IT specific projects? I never thought of myself as an IT person, actually, throughout that entire process because it was always solving a business problem first Mm -hmm. and I happened to apply some technology in order to solve the business problem. Most often it was large-scale ERP transformations, Mm -hmm. but I was more of a guru in the business acumen and the problem we were trying to solve. And then I would rely on deeper technical experts than I in order to make sure that the technology was meeting those needs. It wasn't until I joined Harley-Davidson in the IT department that all of a sudden I was the IT person. Um, so that was a little bit, that was a little bit strange to me, but I have, I've learned to love it. Yeah. It's the, the idea of IT, I, I used to work a little bit on our IT communication side and I've supported that team at Bridgestone to a degree. And that's so much of IT that people don't realize is this, it's the relationship building, it's the helping set expectations. Cause so much that IT works on is large scale, touches everything, doesn't happen overnight in the click. And so it's building that trust really to see the future vision, which often is not tangible. I would, is that an accurate assessment to a lot of people? (laughs) Absolutely. The large scale implications of the changes that we make are just that large scale and take a long time. I would also say that there are a lot of changes that we can make very rapidly that doesn't necessarily solve the business problem unless you really understand the business problem. So it's important that we see our role within the solution as all the way upstream to what we're trying to solve or what opportunity are we trying to capture through the delivery and then ongoing sustainment. Yeah. And so for for listeners at home who don't uh, speak IT, ERP stands for what? Enterprise resource planning. So it is the large-scale systems at Bridgestone. A lot of people uh, know that we use SAP mm-hmm. as our ERP platform, but they're really the the core platforms that run your entire enterprise and try to integrate everything from supply chain planning through your financial close. Yeah, very important group of systems together. And I say that for explanation because I know that there is a lot of work being done on ERP to help streamline, to simplify, to make things 
as always, a better user experience for all involved. And so it is something that teammates might hear about at some point in the very near future. But shifting a little bit to coming to Bridgestone, what was it about the opportunity? You said you were you were working as the IT leader at Harley-Davidson at the time. What attracted you to Bridgestone and what were you looking for in that move? Absolutely. I was the chief information officer at Harley-Davidson, and it was a great opportunity to really marry a personal passion Hmm. with a profession. But as I looked and looked at Bridgestone, I fell in love with the vision that we have associated with our North Star, the recognition that physical products in and of themselves will over time become commodities, Mm -hmm. and that the future of mobility was fundamentally changing with shared electric connected vehicles. Mm-hmm. I do want to touch on, I know you said it was a shared passion at Harley. You ride, do you have Harleys? Was that your bike of choice before going to work from them? And is that something that uh, continues to go out on the weekends and enjoy the Tennessee roads? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, so I, I was an avid rider before I joined Harley. I am still an avid rider. I have a street glide for long distance and a fat boy for around town. And my husband rides a limited for long distance and essentially a heritage around town. Okay. And yes, it is a regular weekend activity. And the roads in Nashville or around Nashville and Tennessee are beautiful roads. Yes, the scenic uh, the scenic scenery as you get uh, on all sides of the city. But uh, that'll be a, a different part, a separate part of the podcast <laughs> where we do a special episode with Taryn uh, just riding the countryside. It'll be great. You're going to be on the back, right? I, can, I you Wherever you put me, okay. I, I just need I need to hold on to something because I, I certainly can't steer uh, uh, based on my experience. But back to Bridgestone, I guess, then you, you said you, you enjoyed the North Star. It resonated with you, that vision for the future. I guess then when you get in, you're you're in the middle of the pandemic, right? You started when we were remote working. But I, I guess what was the picture that you saw when you got in based on the outside looking in to take the job? You get in and you look around. Where do you start? What do you see as it aligns to what you wanted to do based on that North Star vision? Yeah, I'll start with the environment that I saw I was walking into. So we talked a little bit about what attracted me as it relates to the strategy. But I felt throughout the interview process, as I talked to a number of different leaders, people that would be my peers as I entered the organization, some folks that would work for me, everyone was so incredibly welcoming, supportive, collaborative. And that what might have seemed like a really long interview process actually played to my favor when I came into the organization and wasn't able to see anyone Mm -hmm. or meet anyone physically. It allowed me to start to build that network and build those relationships with starting with a group of people that I had at least talked to for an hour and then on to others outside of them. But, you know, those others already had connections with the people that I talked to. So it's kind of the six degrees of separation. (laughs) It did require, and in one sense, it's it's a benefit. It required me to be really deliberate and focused on meeting with a lot of different stakeholders, meeting with team members, that if I was coming into the office and got swept into normal life, I probably wouldn't have had that same focus where I had to have that focus 
due to coming into during the pandemic. Yeah. Did you find it? I mean, was that a natural thing for your leadership style? I guess at least being in IT, you understand the value of those tools. And in this environment, that was what we had to connect. But did you find yourself maybe being more deliberate, more mindful in creating and, and seeking out those interactions than you normally would just because of that? And I guess, how did the team you feel, I guess, respond to that? Because I think everybody was going through that adjustment at the same time of how to stay connected and build new relationships with people that would come into the company. Yeah, I would say that it was not natural for me. <laughs> I'm a pegged introvert and I normally build relationships with others, with stakeholders by doing work. And I wasn't at a point where I was doing work with anyone yet. So those two things definitely played against my normal nature. But I think the welcoming environment of Bridgestone, as well as I knew that I needed to do this based on the environment, really caused it to be a focus. The team, as I entered, was incredibly supportive. We received an exception to be able to come in periodically. So this is when we were in really tight lockdown mm -hmm. so that we could be able to meet each other 3D and, and build those relationships, which were really important as we entered into 2021. Yeah. And so I, I did read your interview with CIO Magazine. One of the things that you talked about there was diversity. I, I would assume this is a question you get quite often, and I hate to, to be repetitive about it, but I think it's one of those elephant in the room kind of things when you talk to a female leader who not just a female leader in IT, but in the tire, the manufacturing, the automotive industry. I don't think we're we're <laughs> saying anything that isn't true when we say those are predominantly led by men in, in the traditional sense over the years. Do you, I guess, how do you approach that type of conversation? Is there a realization that that is a conversation you're always going to be potentially having? And how do you approach using, I guess, that platform and that conversation to, to take it to others? I think that I've gotten more comfortable with that conversation over time. As I was in engineering and was the only, you know, female in the room in, in the class, I told myself, I, I don't know that I have the energy to be a trailblazer. That's just not in me. <laughs> at least I had some self-recognition at the time. Joining consulting, again, relatively male-dominated at the time when I joined consulting, heavy automotive, certainly in IT. So I have found myself in the situation where as much as I didn't want to trailblaze, I I looked around and recognized that, geez, okay, <laughs> guess what, Taryn, you are, and it's important for you to make sure that you're lifting others up along the way. I think that for me, diversity is about creativity. So when you have a team that is diverse, whether it's the color of their skin, their religious background, their sexual orientation, the hobbies that they have... That, when you're trying to solve a problem, that difference brings more creative and innovative solutions. And I think it's just better business to create those environments where individuals feel free to be. They can bring their best self to work. They're not afraid to bring up that crazy idea that might just be the perfect solution. Yeah. Well, I, and that, I 
I couldn't f- feed you the line better. I was going to pivot into the free to be the culture that Bridgestone is trying to create and and ask if you felt like it was uh, a, a journey that we are focused on and working on in your experience. Have you seen that effort kind of following the words, the action following the words? And I guess maybe in, in that organic sense that you just shared, you, you believe in that and think that we're working there, obviously still have a long way to go. Yeah, I do believe that we've done a lot just in the year and a half that I've been here. I've seen changes in the words that we're using, in, you know, pronouns that show up at the end of people's signatures, Mm -hmm. the recognition that there's implicit bias that is in all of us, and that recognition that we all need to self-reflect and get better each day, and the kind of the reminders that we get from our free-to-be and our cultural characteristics that say, look inward and understand how you can be better at developing the culture that you want to live in. So we've talked, uh, that that fits under maybe the our team pillar, right? The culture that we're building, the people we want to be a part of our team. Would love to then talk uh, for the last couple of minutes we have together about the work of IT, tying into the North Star, the business, the vision impact that it has. I guess if if someone were just to say, hey, where does IT fit on the North Star journey or on that North Star, you know, selection of pillars? Is there an easy way to summarize and describe that? Because I have to imagine it touches a lot of different things along the way. It does. And the the shape that resonates the most with me is the helix mm-hmm. under our business. So IT certainly helps to run and operate the systems that all of our teammates use in order to be effective and generate revenue in our core tire business. But we're also, if you notice with the helix, it connects up in through the back into the tire-centric solutions and into mobility solutions. And providing the right tools, the right infrastructure, the right processes in order to build out those new business models is also part of IT. On that same visual, it, it connects from mobility solutions back down into the core tire business. Again, that interconnectivity and the the interfacing of that data so that we can use the insights in order to make better physical products is part of where we need to bring all of us in order to solve that business challenge and and get the full value out of that helix. Yeah. And I think that's part of the conversation we continue to try to have with teammates to make the North Star aspects and that ABC model tangible because we talk about digitalization and the solutions of the future, but there's so much technical, digital, you know, aspect of the current just base tire manufacturing in all of the plants, the way that the whole process works, the way that we track and monitor and the quality control. And that's before you even get into the tire centric solutions part where you're inserting, you know, data capture and and all the types of stuff that you can pull from the tire to use for the integrated systems. And so uh, when you got into Bridgestone when you started to see, I guess, where things stood on different paths of the, those big challenges or opportunities that you laid out. I guess, where do you where do you attack first? Where do you go first? <laughs> well, I, I don't know that there's a first. <laughs> All um, together at once, right? <laughs> right. The first implies that it's sequential. And I don't think that we have the luxury of time to be sequential. And so it is a little bit of fighting on a number of different fronts. The core modernization that we have associated with updating our ERP, consolidating those, 
brings efficiencies into finance, the alignment that we're doing around supply chain to bring them additional insights to make sure that we have the right product in the right place at the right time. All of that core modernization is what we have to do just to survive and be successful as the A business. And those are projects that are underway. The efforts to connect into tire-centric and mobility solutions, a lot of the work that we need to do there is really enabling platform development in the cloud. So how do we, how do we enable a software company the same way we have enabled a manufacturing company. And that's a big shift. And there are a lot of tools and processes and infrastructure that we need to build and, and supply so that either the companies that we're buying can integrate well into us or that we partner with can integrate into us or our own teams can build on top of those platforms. And I would say all of that has to be protected, well protected from cyber events or other malicious actors. Oh, by the way. Oh, by the way. <laughs> and, and so there's a lot of work that we have to do in order to build an environment that is resilient to the natural makings of what's happening in, in the world in IT today. Yeah. Well, I, I think we, we just, you know, in October every year is Cybersecurity Awareness Month. I know the team did a lot of effort to engage teammates to raise that awareness because that's something like before you in the last couple of years became more prevalent. You see the cybersecurity risks and the the big breaches of, across, but it's, it's personal to a lot of people, right? You've got your name and information out there everywhere. And it's like, oh, yeah, it's happening at Bridgestone too. We got to protect everything that we're doing because it's all connected with data and information. So I think that the team has done great work on that. I, I did want to ask when you said we don't have the luxury of time, right? It's everything all at once. I mean, just hearing you say that, right? Like, I think I feel a pressure on <laughs> my shoulders. I can't imagine. Like, how do you, I guess, think that way, but also like, I guess, manage through the fact that like, we need to keep moving forward. We need to keep everything going. But we are, it's, it's always a race because you got to keep it going continuously. Yeah, I think that it, that's where we start to shift into other pieces of our cultural characteristics. Hmm. So when we talk about entrepreneurialism, when we talk about thinking in an agile way, mm -hmm. it allows us to cover multiple fronts at once because not every decision has to come to a leader to be made, that we need to enable our teams to be more self-sufficient because they're the, really the ones that are best at making the decisions on the ground. And I think that that's what is going to allow us to make all the changes that we need across all the fronts that we need to make it. Talking about those cultural characteristics and, you know, maybe there's people who some of that stuff doesn't come naturally to them to make that shift because of maybe the way that they're they, they're comfortable doing the work, maybe the way that the, the company used to be doing things a certain way. How do you have conversations or how do you approach helping people make those adjustments or to, to the point we talked about about diversity, maybe people because of whatever reason didn't see themselves in certain roles that use those characteristics. How do you help, I guess, help them think in a different way about that transition? I think that uh, there are a critical mass of people across Bridgestone that are excited about the changes mm -hmm. and want to lean in. And I think as a leader, removing obstacles so that they can create the momentum for others, you know, we, with any technology of early adoption. And I think with any cultural change, you have early adopters. How do you let them really help drive the change at a grassroots level? 
And I think the the other set that is more hesitant, it's more likely driven by fear. Mm-hmm. It is a fear of, well, I've always done it this way. It has worked. Or I've been rewarded for doing it this way. If I change, then what if I make a mistake? What if I'm not as good at doing it that other way? And I think that that's where management behaviors and leadership behaviors really come into play, that trying new things, being innovative, taking ownership is the right behavior to have, and there's no reason to be afraid of it. Yeah. I think we see it a lot with everything. The, the organizational change management is another one of those buzzwords, OCM, that we see a lot because everything is a shift and it's there's new tools, there's new ways of working, and and the world around us is different over the last two years from a personal level for everybody too. So helping people through that change, I think we see from a communications perspective, how do we continue to help people hear it, to see it, to find the comfort in touching and feeling things. And I know that's, that's like every day for IT with most of the the user base that you try to support. Wanted to wrap with, we're, we're in 2022, the start of the new year. What are the big maybe projects or those big initiatives right now uh, among everything that's moving forward together that you're either really excited about or that were really a focus for Bridgestone uh, over the next 12 months? Yeah. So as I, as I mentioned before, we are on all fronts, right? There's a lot of work occurring across the helix, both in the core business with programs like our ERP, uh, you might hear the term Everest ERP, mm-hmm. or end-to-end supply chain. We are also helping to support tire-centric solutions and mobility solutions through our move to the cloud, as well as enabling tools. And working on all of those fronts is only possible with the hard work and dedication that I've seen from our IT teammates. We've gone through a lot of changes uh, since I joined IT, and I've just been really impressed with the resiliency and the passion and the dedication that I continue to see from our teammates. And I'm really excited about what they're going to be able to deliver in 2022. We do it all together, moving it forward, right? Yeah. Well, it's excited to learn about the the road forward. Obviously, a lot of moving parts that we're all touching and, and will be felt by all of our teammates and people external to Bridgestone as well as the journey continues. But we so much appreciate you taking a, a few minutes to help explain it to us and see where we're going in the future. Thank you. It was wonderful being here. Our North Star strategy is focused on moving the world ahead. And that's exactly what Taryn and the IT team are helping us do at Bridgestone. We're looking forward here in the new year to these continued advancements on all fronts. And we're excited to talk to more of our people who are helping make it all happen. Of course, you can also go back and listen to some of our past conversations that you may have missed from seasons one and two. Those can be found wherever it is you listen to podcasts. While you're there, be sure to give us a follow, a rating, a review. Uh, Just give us your feedback. Or you can always drop us an email with a comment, question, or story idea at thrivepodcast at bfusa.com. And as I mentioned, for those interested in watching these conversations, we'll be making many of our new episodes available on YouTube. Just go to youtube.com slash Bridgestone Americas, or just simply type Bridgestone Americas into the YouTube search bar to find our corporate page. Thanks for listening. I'm Keith Cauley, telling you to keep on keeping on. And remember that at Bridgestone, today, tomorrow, together, we thrive. Be good, everybody.